Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Athletic. Hello and a warm welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay and alongside me, Premier League and new WSL reporter for Sky Sports, Lindsay Hooper. Hi, Linz. Hello. And Super Sky Sports news anchor, Hayley McQueen. Hi, Hayley. Well, hello, ladies. I'm delighted to say that Lindsay and I were out last night on the <laughs> razzle, but neither of us has a hangover. I feel Isn't very it? left out. Yes. Oh, isn't that Sorry. sad though that Sorry. we were both out and neither of us really drank that much? But anyway, it's because you're diligent. Because you're diligent, you're out at the Sports Industry Awards. Um, we I were. gather. I hope it was a good night enjoyed by all. And you know, some, something else to celebrate uh, from last weekend: the WSL, the Women's Super League, kicking off. Mm. That brilliant London derby between Arsenal oh and Chelsea. Uh, Arsenal winning that one uh, a little bit against the grain, really. That was definitely the highlight of the weekend. And we had some rather snazzy new coverage as well and I think Hayley you can take credit on behalf of the whole of Sky Sports and Lindsay you can take credit for the actual WSL stuff. (laughs) I will definitely take credit thank you very much indeed and very cool that as well as having a stellar um, lineup of talent in the studio and pitch side we had Jackie Oatley as well commentating which is super cool commentating on the women's game up in the gantry so yeah bravo to Sky for absolutely pulling out all the stops to get mm. the best of the best to make sure that you know people see these games people are excited by them that the build-up is actually exciting. At the moment, I think whilst we're playing everything just a little bit safe and making sure that we um, do everything properly, I think things are going to change as as the weeks and months go along. I know, Lindsay, you've got a few ideas up your sleeve about things that you perhaps want to implement and do and everyone <laughs> to stamp their own style on WSL. Hayley, because Quite what, possibly. what normally happens mm-hmm. is that Hoops, mm-hmm. Hoops settles in and then she has kind of a mad couple of days where she where she has some great ideas, some of which are genius, some of which might be a bit too ambitious. Um, But she'll always provide, won't you, Linz? Yeah, I think you're so used to me now, though, Kate. And the the fact is, I've got to get used to working with new people again and not be too out there with my ideas. You you know how to handle me with that. Temper. Temper Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Did it all go smoothly behind the scenes, um, both of you? Were there any, I mean, I'm... I guess here I'm looking for, you know, touchscreens that break down at the last time. Someone didn't arrive. or I mean, I mean, it all looked very smooth. I saw some great stuff between Karen Carney and Casey Stoney on the touchscreen together talking tactics. Did it all go as smoothly as it looked? Yeah, certainly from, from my perspective, um, being at the matches, everything went really well. Um, yeah, but how long, how long did it take... Linz, how long did it take you to get to the match, though? Six hours. What? Six hours to get to Manchester United uh, ground, the Lee Sport Village. I was just, oh, gosh. Yeah, that was an awful day to travel. Um, I've learned from that, though, Hayley. I got some advice from you, didn't I, about the old Mm -hmm. getting getting trains further north from the Midlands. Um, I will be doing that. So, yeah, I I think everything went smooth. There was a little bit of moving around of running orders and stuff like that occasionally. You know, you have to do that because that's the beauty of live sport, isn't it? Things happen and then you decide that you're going to talk about something else or someone else compared to what you thought you might. Of course, we had to tear up the script when Emma Hayes put Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby on the bench. (laughs) There's an example for you. 
Yes, exactly. But, you know, you guys are well used to that. Um, so huge success then, the Women's Super League kicking off. We mm. had international football um, as well, of course, in the men's game. We'll be touching on that throughout the shows. So we're going to talk outstanding performances after Erling Haaland bagged yet more goals this week. <laughs> we're also going to be looking at some speed records too because mm. uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's CR7 smashed the shirt sales record. I'm glad I got that out correctly at United. And we're going to be touching on things in football that we might actually like to happen every two years. This, of course, won't be the World Cup, but we've got some more suggestions for you or for Arsene Wenger instead. So let's get cracking. All right, so topic one, outstanding. Erling Haaland bagged a hat-trick for Norway in their 5-1 win against Gibraltar on Tuesday night. Um, but the overriding point is 11 goals in eight games for him so far this season. Um, so should we award some shiny gold stars for good early season performances? It can be a player, a club, a manager, an initiative. Let's celebrate some of what's making us smile as we uh, head into the season, head into September. Um, who wants to go first for this one? Hayley. So mine's kind of stating the obvious, but I do think we have to say, well done, Gareth Bale. Um, he is just in the mood to score goals right now. Obviously came back to Tottenham, didn't he, on that loan spell, but he's back off to Real Madrid and they are absolutely loving him because he's scoring goals for his country as well. Um Goodness me, he, he obviously found the back of the net regularly uh, at Tottenham last season. Um, he'll be hoping to keep the numbers up in La Liga. We'll be hoping to see him him do that. But he was prolific for his national team. He scored his first hat-trick for Wales in a competitive match. Well done. Um, he absolutely loves Wales. He loves captaining the team. Um, we know that um, Wales is... Gareth Bale, you do kind of wonder. He's one of these players, a bit it like a bit Ronaldo in Portugal, at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's like uh, once he leaves, what what is there left? But just looking at his stats and how he contributed to the game as well, he won eight duels, he drew four fouls, he completed four crosses in in that win. It was over Belarus. His goals were a result of this consistent effort to score. He attempted seven shots as well. So I think uh, Real Madrid fans should definitely be encouraged by Bale's confidence going for goal, confidence. Um, just everything about him at the moment is is great and he's loving life. And mm. I'm just delighted to see him, him doing that. And of course, for the home nations as well, we all want each of the home nations to qualify for the World Cup. So we've got a lot more to look forward to when it comes to the, to the next yeah. major tournament, whether it be every two years or four years. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so a first international competitive hat-trick uh, for Gareth Bale. There were a couple of penalties in it, but, you know, job well done. Well, uh, not so much against Estonia on Wednesday night, though. That was a goalless draw. Um, so there we go. But uh, Gareth Bale clearly enjoying uh, life at the moment. Lindsay, what have you got? I'll jump in with an obvious and I'll try and get you to work out which one I'm going to go with because this week I was doing some voicing for the World Cup qualifiers and I thought it was so fitting as Gerd Muller was paid tribute to because what a, what a striker he was. At the Germany game, his image was on the big screen and then the matches play out and all the big hitters were scoring goals. And we've just heard from Haley saying about Gareth Bale, there was Ronaldo, Lukaku, Kane, Timo Werner, Lewandowski, all the big names around Europe just on this one night after that ha 
happened were just scoring. And I just mm-hmm. thought it, it was just a really nice way to bring it all together. And so I'm going to hone in on our very own Harry Kane, because if you're talking about numbers and hitting heights, he has now, after the game against Poland, uh, become the fifth outright all-time England goal scorer. Um, he's got 41 goals, which has meant that he's gone above Michael Owen. He was level with him going into the Poland match. And now there are just four players above him. Jimmy Greaves, who is also chasing down the club record at Spurs as highest goal scorer, his record there. So he's, he's going after Jimmy's numbers. Gary Lineker is above him, Bobby Charlton, and then top, Wayne Rooney with 53 goals. But both of you, Kate Haley, I just wanted to say, how confident are we that Harry Kane will end his career top of this list? Because one, two major tournaments, if he can get another couple under his belt, surely with all the qualifiers, that 53, when he's on 41 already, as long as he stays fit and doesn't get injured, he he should be well on for being the all-time England goal scorer, shouldn't he? I think I'd totally go with that. You'd be silly not to put a bit of a bet on it, maybe. Obviously, I'm not advocating uh, going to the bookmakers. But yes, it does. uh, There would have to be something horrible happen for that record not to be uh, topped. Well, I'm going to keep the goal conversation going with Memphis Depay. He scored his first international hat trick, a bit like Bale, as the Netherlands overwhelmed Turkey in their World Cup qualifier. 6-1 was the final score, but three goals from Depay. Not just three any old goals, by the way. Uh, the second one was a Penenka struck from the spot. If you missed it, go and look it up. Um, a fantastic performance from Depay and from the Netherlands. It, it, kind of a crazy game there. There was a Turkish player given um, a red card, I think, just before half time. But yeah, crazy game, but well done. Uh, he gets gold stars from me, Memphis Depay, for that hat trick in crazy circumstances. Um, Hayley? Yeah, I actually just want to say big up Scotland. Big up Scotland because they are <laughs> second. They're second in the table for World Cup qualifying. They're now a point ahead of Israel. They're still trying to catch up with the Denmark. And goodness me, did you see runaways Denmark in this Group F beating uh, Israel 5-0? It kind of makes Scotland's defeat to Denmark not look quite as bad, did it? Mm-hmm. But yeah, good on Scotland because um, they were really impressive by... I guess, reviving their qualification hopes. They're in a playoff place. It was such an important game that they needed to win, particularly being away from home in in, in Vienna. So they won 1-0 against Austria. It was a a Dykes penalty, but I don't really care. I'll take anything. Yes, Scotland don't score uh, a ton of goals from open play. I mean, they just don't score goals, really. But uh, for Lyndon Dykes to have managed to, to take that penalty, very, very cool as well. I just think well done. And here's hoping, as I'd mentioned a little bit earlier with Wales, it'd be so good to see um, the home nations, wouldn't it, involved in the World Cup in Qatar. Yeah, as many as possible, please. Lindsay. I wanted to give some credit, actually, to a position that often doesn't get much. Um, yeah, we can talk about goals. And, you know, we've, we've had like the Ronaldo hitting the international goal scoring record. And I was thinking about Mikel Antonio as well at West Ham and his four goals this season. It's taken him top goal scorer at that club. But we're always talking about scorers and we've done a bit of that already. So I wanted to shine a light on Declan Rice. Now, 
the stat that I've got here doesn't take into consideration the last match. I was trying desperately to find out. But what I can tell you is, in the very first two Premier League matches of the season for West Ham, he had 117 passes across those two games, across 180 minutes, and he misplaced four passes. He misplaced one pass in the first game. So I imagine he's carried on on that trajectory given given the last game as well and, and the performance. And for England as well, his stats are ridiculous. And I just think it's something that we don't often look at is that reliable factor, the factor that, you know, players that have got successful tackles or don't give the ball away like this instance. And so I wanted to say, big up Declan Rice, a player that didn't move in the transfer window, but I expect next summer will be one of the big big moves. When we talked about the big money moves of 2021-22 window, I honestly think that it will all be about Declan Rice next summer. Mm, I'm going to give some gold stars to Marcus Rashford. I know this is predictable, but I love the way that he keeps going back for more, pressurising the government. This time this week, he's asked uh, the public to write to their MP and um, endorse some recommendations that he's made all along the lines of tackling food poverty. So extending the eligibility for free school meals, more holiday clubs, more support for kids and families with healthy eating. Um, Look, he's doing a better job than Labour, um, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of challenging the government. He's determined to be a thorn in their side. And he's had the usual, you know, abuse for it, the old stick to football advice. And he's come back against that and just said, basically, if I didn't do this, um, I'd be doing my community and my family a disservice if I didn't use my platform to speak on behalf of millions. So well done to Marcus Rashford. We saw him receive a very special award, didn't we, as well this week when we went to our fancy awards ceremony, Lindsay, and we got the glad rags on and the high heels, which, oh my God, (laughs) how did I used to wear them? What the hell? (laughs) And everyone, all the women were there like sitting down at the tables afterwards with with most of the men up having a dance because just not used to having to don some, some heels. Yeah. So he was the recipient of the Integrity and Impact Award um, for obviously the remarkable work that he's done on and off the pitch. Um, he wasn't there to collect his award, but he did do a, a, a lovely little speech as well. And he, he spoke afterwards um, too, just saying how absolutely delighted he was and that the work is absolutely going to continue. And just because he's got awards and just because we're coming out of COVID doesn't mean to say that we, you know, he's going to stop campaigning. Yeah. So well done. All right, let's move on then to Cristiano Ronaldo's new number seven shirt at Manchester United. And this week it's Smash United's daily sales record for shirts in under four hours. Uh, Across sports retailer Fanatics Network, Ronaldo became the biggest selling player uh, in the 24 hours following a transfer to a new club. So he basically uh, broke the record otherwise set by Lionel Messi when he went to PSG, Tom Brady when he went to the Tampa Bay Bucks and LeBron James when he went to the LA Lakers. So basically his shirts are selling like wildfire and breaking records all over. So this got us thinking about other super fast moments in football. Ladies, what can you give me? Hayley. I mean, it is quite incredible, isn't it? Well done, Ronaldo. I don't think that surprised anybody. I was quite surprised when I was looking at, um, you know, some of these fastest in, in, in football stats and trying to find something quirky. And I was shocked that Ronaldo in 2020 was in the top 10 fastest players. Still, 
still. Um, I was thinking, oh, he won't be able to keep up with the pace of the Premier League. He might score some goals and he'll be a great number nine, but, you know, he's not going to be that fast-paced number seven that we're used to. But it's um, he's sixth on the list, believe it or not. Only faster than him, Erling Haaland, Kylian Mbappe, and look at the age of those two. Then there's Adama Traore, Achraf Hakimi, and the fastest player in 2020 was, in fact... Alfonso Davis. So there you go. Oh, okay. He's very clear. I was very I was just clear. quite surprised that was he was Mbappe still in up there? there. Yeah, so Mbappe is fourth on the list. Right. And it is Ireland who is just behind. Mm. I bet Ronaldo, I can tell you a list that I bet he's top of. I I know he's top of many lists, but the uh the percentage of body fat <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I mean he's a top of most Elite. people's Christmas wish list, isn't he? Yes. But yeah, the body fat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, Vinnie Jones, by the way, just throwing 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 you back a bit here. He still holds the record for the fastest booking in English football, getting a yellow card just three seconds into a game for a foul on the opposition player, Dane Whitehouse, in an FA Cup tie between Chelsea and Sheffield United in 92. Just a bit of a throwback stat there. Mm. There we go. Do you know the fastest sending off? I don't know the fastest sending off. I did look at it, but I just thought three seconds was just a very speedy record. Do you have it, Lindsay Hooper? Yeah, Keith Gillespie, 12 seconds when oh. he was playing for Sheffield United against Reading in 2007. And he came on as a sub, a cheeky elbow into Stephen Hunt and got sent off. Yeah, 12 seconds. Very good, indeed. Well, I'm going to pop in here, um, not to lower the tone, but just to give you something a little bit different. And uh, this is the fastest mascot in football. It took me a little bit of searching, this one. They don't have an annual mascot race, by the way, which I think is a great shame. Um, But I can tell you that at one point in 2015, uh, the record was broken since, but Watford FC's mascot, Harry the Hornet, was a one-time world record holder for the fastest mascot to complete the London Marathon. So this is basically a runner wearing a mascot I'm disappointed. Doesn't have to be football related. Um, But he basically ran the race in three hours and 42 minutes. This is Andy Nice from Rickmansworth who put on the Harry the Hornet costume in 2015. He beat the previous record uh, by nine minutes. He has since been beaten by um, um, a lovely chap running for a hospice with a mascot costume. But I have to say... um, the one that's beaten him, um, it's not it's not a very sophisticated mascot costume. So I would suggest that Harry the Hornet gets the points anyway, because he had the full sort of head and regalia on. I mean, running as a hornet, basically, uh, rather than just, you know, putting on a putting on a pretend mascotty type costume. So, yeah, there we go. Fastest at one point, the world record holder for the fastest mascot to complete the London Marathon. Well, they actually used to race the mascots as well. Oh, they did? Against each other, yeah. Yeah. And that's but why just like I two of them were... rather than the they whole lot of them. They stopped it though, didn't they, for some yeah. reason? They... I don't know. Why did it get a bit... Oh, I can't remember when the last They should have had a league was. table and everything, shouldn't they? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. In fact, that 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 could be something for our last topic, something we need to to implement in football. Yes. But anyway, we'll <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. save that. I'm just wondering if Manchester City winning the title in 2012 was the fastest ever decider of a title. Because of course, it was their game against QPR. Do you remember we were all watching? Well, I was yes, certainly watching on split screens. Manchester United to see, you know, if they were going to be champions. Um and you had 
you know, Man United, Sir Alex Ferguson, his players waiting at Old Trafford for the final whistle to be blown at the Etihad so they could celebrate. Um, but yeah, it was decided in the last two minutes of the game, which is essentially the last two minutes of the overall season because Man City got two goals in stoppage time and they won it 3-2 and in the process, of course, winning the Premier League. So I, I think that might be the fastest ever title win or swing, perhaps. Hmm. Uh, fastest pints in football. I mean, Spurs, obviously, they've got those bottom-up pints, haven't they? Take six seconds to pour one of them compared to 16 seconds for a traditional tap. Um, at the time when the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium opened, Spurs reckoned that the stadium has the capacity to pour 10,000 pints per minute. So that, for me, wow. makes it the fastest pints in football. I'm going to whistle through a couple because quickest goal, Shane Long, we all remember mm -hmm. that one, 2019, mm -hmm. not too long ago. Watford against Saints and for Southampton, he scored after 7.69 seconds. And then the quickest hat trick, which was Sadio Mane when he played for Southampton. And that was against Aston Villa, 176 seconds or if you prefer, two minutes, 56. That's six years ago now that happened. Wow, I still wow. remember it. Um, I think he beat Robbie Fowler um, for that, didn't he? Yeah, he did, he did. And I also, um, just because this came to mind being a Wolves fan, wanted to go quickest moves. Um, so if you go with a, a permanent move, I know that he played for us on loan, but Benikafobi, when he joined Wolves, he'd been on loan from Bournemouth for some time. And then after his deal was made permanent, he got a permanent move. It took just 11 days for him to move to Stoke City. Oh, um, I think that has to be, I mean, I'm going from my memory on that one, but that has to be one of the fastest moves from a, a permanent deal to an, mm. another new club. Fabulous. Well, there we go. Speeding around the track there with that. We shall move on uh, to things we want to see more often. Martin Wenger, FIFA's new chief of global football development, he's backed plans to move the men's and the women's World Cups to be once every two years rather than once every four. <laughs> no surprise, really. The plans have been widely criticised by the football community. Um, but uh, what are some of the things that, that we could actually do with seeing it genuinely would benefit from us seeing them happen more often? Uh, you can go as mad as you want on this one, both of you. Um, who wants to chip in first? My, mine is um, looking at what I think we need to change lower down the leagues. It's not something more often, but it's just a complete change. So promotion and relegation, it's three up, three down, right? So why don't we do that between League Two and the National League? There are only two spots at the moment to get into the English Football League. So it does make it tough to try and break out of the division. So I think to implement three up, three down between League Two and the National League is something I think will make things a little bit more exciting towards, uh, you know, the lower echelons of football. Okay. Mm. All right. So you're looking to spice things up a little bit. That's um, it. Lindsay. Something we need to see more of, we've not seen it enough, there is one shining moment, um, and I bring it up quite often on this show, uh, but I loved it. It was when Delia Smith addressed the Norwich fans at half-time and said, let's be having you. Uh, and I just thought, something I'd like to see more is chairmen and women addressing the fans at half-time. Yeah, mm. giving it some. Giving mm. maybe a bit of a talk. I think as a, as a punter in the crowd, I'd want to hear what they've got to say. We don't hear from them enough sometimes. Um, I'd like to see players celebrate 
uh, with fans without the danger of getting carded. I know that there are specific rules around this, so this will need a rule change or just a relaxation. I want to see, you know, because it's been such a long time that fans have been away from games, can we enjoy, please, without any reticence, without any deliberation about whether you're going to get a card for taking your shirt off or anything else? Can we just enjoy players celebrating with fans more often, please? I know that we have fun with these ones, but I'm deadly serious about my next point. And what I did was I took the Arsene Wenger every two years mantra and thought, what else is there in football that I would like to see happen every two years? And I I feel quite strongly about this. I gave it some thought and it's manager contracts, manager contracts. Oh, yeah. I honestly think they should have a minimum of two years. You can't get rid of them partway through a season. You can't even get rid of them at the end of one season. You've got to see how they do over two seasons. It has stopped all of this sack race malarkey. Mm. So that um, kind of two years is binding, Lynn. So you yeah. can't buy anyone out of a contract. No. That is the minimum term. Exactly. And... I feel quite strongly about it now. The more that I've had time to think about it since Flo sent us over our planning sheet, it's something I, I'm, I'm semi-considering trying to campaign huh. for. Okay, I'll get the uh, I'll get the facts ready for us and Wenger. Uh, what else? I would like more of a variety of food on offer on the concourses because if you're a regular football goer, right, and you're not in the prawn sandwich brigade, you're not in hospitality, you're just going to the concourse. I'm at that stage now where it's like, do you know what? It's a big day out. I want to I be healthy. I don't just want a burger or a hot dog and chips and a pie. I mean, I love a burger and a hot dog and chips pick and, and a pie. Pick and mix for you, Hayley. Yeah, I mean, I was scoffing the pick and mix at the end of the <laughs> night last night. See, they don't have desserts at the Sports Industry Awards. They just have stations dotted around an area when you when you leave with <gasps> Did they have a candy pick and floss. Station? Oh, a, my gosh. A pick and, but the thing is, you couldn't. Obviously, for COVID, you couldn't pick it out yourself, but probably just for people like me, they made sure that there was someone manning the stand. So myself and Lindsay <laughs> were, were straight over. I'll have Did one of them, the one classic, of them, one of them. I'll just take this for my daughter and I'll have that for my daughter as well. I'll have a little bit, but I'll just take That's this it. for my daughter, which would basically allow you to get twice as much. I want to yeah, know who went to I've all got, the stations because there was candy kids. floss, there was oh, Dunkin' Donuts. I have. And, oh, yeah, I mm, would have. Candy floss grates my Definitely. teeth. I can't, I can't do it. It sends, it sends my teeth on edge. Things I'd like to see happen more often. I'm just going to go in and say goals. I want to see goals more often uh. and I've got an incentive to do it okay. by. Okay, so okay. Um, three points for a win, point for a draw, that stays. But a team, whether they win or lose, can get an extra bonus point if they score three goals or more. How about that? Oh. So even if you lose 4-3, mm. you still get a point for the goals you scored. Winning. And if you win, you would have got four points in that instance. So, yeah, uh, a bit like rugby. It happens in the Six Nations, I think, actually. they get um, Players get extra points for scoring tries, I think it is, a certain oh, yeah, number of tries. Bonus, it's a, yeah, it's a bonus, it's a bonus point, point scoring, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd like a similar theory um, to be applied to football, please. Thank you very much. I want to be funnier on this one, but I honest, honestly, something's got me going on this and I've just identified little things in football that I'd like to be... <laughs> Every two years. And another one is pre-season tours. You know when clubs go off to like Asia and to USA mm -hmm. and then they moan that their players, you know, need a rest, need a break. It, you know, the international football, can you not please play our players three games in a row? Um, 
And then, obviously, the actual proposal here is for more competitive football from Arsene Wenger every two years for a World Cup. And I was thinking, well, if that happens and everyone's saying about player welfare, then how about the pre-season tours? You know, the the earners, because it's about money, isn't it, those? Yes. Um, How about those become Mm -hmm. more special and you just say it's every two years and we will flog to death, you know, the place that we're going to go will really promote the hell out of it. Um, rather than just trying to crowbar it in every summer. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it's it's basically a lot about money for the clubs, isn't it? And kind of reach, and they'd probably argue that they need to visit more areas than that. But anyway, they haven't been able to visit anywhere at all, really, have they? Recently, um, so you want more of that? Um, go on, uh, Haley. I'm all for a World Cup every two years because personally, I think Scotland have got more chance of qualifying now for, for more major tournaments. Because yeah, if it's every really? two years. See, yeah, no. we stand, stand a bit of a chance. On a serious note, no, it takes away the fact that it is special. Um, it should be every four years. I, yeah. I, From a footballing perspective, it was just, I was thinking, well, it's probably the only way that Scotland will get to qualify for a, for a major tournament if, if we have a lot more in quick succession. But mm. yeah. The, like, other, the other thing with it as well is you'd have to just rip up the history books, wouldn't you? Because you've yeah. got, like, like when I was saying about Harry Kane's goal scoring record for England, you know, if you've got a World Cup every two years, they mm. they will be beaten a lot quicker and mm. the the all-time leading international goal scorers all of that it would just go because every two years it changes the parameters yeah. Yeah. yeah that's true, true. that's very true and you know those little electric those little uh, remote control cars that came onto the pitch for the euros delivering the match ball little sort of buggies sometimes they oh, get them I, more yeah yeah more I, just, I just think oh. why not it's a bit of fun the kids love it Nice touch. Opportunity to get a sponsor involved. I'd like more of those little ball carriers, please. I'd like more entertainment. I'd like pre-match, <laughs> halftime. I want Super Bowl-style entertainment. If I'm going out the house now to an event, it becomes a big occasion. And I, I want the full shebang. Um, I know some grounds, we, we have cheerleaders who really give it their all. I know we have sometimes, um, you know, penalty shootouts. There's sometimes a, a, a draw for the, you know, the a ticket draw on the pitch, but I would like uh, bands. I want concerts. I want festivals. I, I want it all rolled into one. Okay, so you want to see more glitz and glam, a bit like the hundred, um, you know, with sort of that's flames, it. The hundred of football, yeah. flames around the side of the pitch, uh, music, DJs, blah blah blah. Yeah, why not? I think why not? Let's let's really go some. Okay, well, I think we've put our manifesto together there, ladies. So uh, we will send that off to UEFA, FIFA, the Premier League, the Football League, whoever wants it and put our points across. I'm sure they'll take it very seriously indeed. Let's head now to any other business. Okay, so any other business, as is tradition, smaller stories from the week that may have gone under the radar. Well, I've got a couple of classics for you this week, ladies. Real any other business fodder. The first concerns a job advert for general manager of football at AFC Filed. They play in the National League North. And they put out the advert, which has now been deleted, um, basically saying... 
Uh, we'd like a general manager of football. Uh, we work hard at Filed. So again, don't apply if you're looking for a work-life balance or have to pick up the kids from school twice a week at 3.30. They were obviously massively criticised uh, for basically saying that they wanted someone uh, for whom the job um, would happily take over their whole life, particularly in this COVID time as well, when we're used to kind of pivoting and uh, making sure that we fit lots of things in to our time at work as well and working extra hours and stuff. Yeah, they were absolutely lambasted for this AFC file and they've rightly deleted it, whether it's still what they think behind the scenes or not. But that, well, that is the point, isn't it? Mm. They can delete it, but is that still what they're they're asking for? And then if someone's got children, whether it be male or female, and they want to go and do the school run, you're not welcome to apply despite having the absolute right skill set. It's it's awful. I didn't. I I hate stuff like that. Discriminatory. It was really sad news um, a few weeks ago, wasn't it, when we heard of the passing of comedian Sean Locke, just fifty-eight years old, which is no age at all. Um, it felt like one of those weeks actually, where a few different things happened. And um, Bruce Book has come out, the Chelsea chairman, to remind supporters. And this is for the game against Aston Villa. It's a game I'm going to be at at Stamford Bridge on Saturday. That on the 58th minute, they've scheduled a minute's applause in honour of Sean Locke, who was a season ticket holder at Chelsea. Um, and yeah, Aston Villa fans have also said that they will be joining in. Yes. Oh, that's great such move. a lovely touch, isn't it? Oh, Before well done. Yours, well done. Hayley, I will uh, pop in with another classic any other business story. Um, Deportivo San Miguel de Rio de Hell. Uh, I've totally <laughs> oh, pronounced that wrong, by the way. Um, this is a side in Chile. Uh, we're given a free kick in a dangerous area. They had a really good opportunity to score. Their players crowded into the opposition area and they're also joined by a dog. I think you know what's coming. I'm pleased to say the Alsatian darted towards the goal, barked for the ball as the free kick was struck and remarkably, (laughs) it managed to find the net. So the goalkeeper looked to have have it covered, um, but the dog produced a superb header to divert the ball into the goal. There was a hint of offside apparently as well, a little bit of controversy (laughs) surrounding this, but what a fantastic finish for this dog. I can't find the name of the dog. Perhaps it's some Chilean name or other, Um, but well done. A fantastic goal scored there by our four-legged friend. Uh, You've got now some work to do with Billy, Lindsay, your new puppy, uh, to make sure that <laughs> Gotta you Got to get him contribute. nodding in, nodding in balls, yes. yeah. Yes, okay. absolutely. Well, what do you do if you're a 33-year-old footballer who needs to be at the absolute peak of his powers, making sure that he's still banging in the goals and living his absolute healthiest life? If you're Robert Lewandowski, the Poland captain, you have to really follow a pretty strict lifestyle eating plan, sleeping plan, nutrition plan. My goodness, his wife or his his partner, oh no, it's his wife actually, has um, come up with a way of living for them both. And it is quite incredible. Okay, so he's he scored more goals in the games that he's played, 108 in 87. I mean, that's quite remarkable. Uh, he's a Bayern Munich legend, but he's, he's not going to be caught at Oktoberfest having a beer, that's for sure, because he has a strict diet where he eats dessert first and a starter <laughs> last. It's called the back to front diet or the backwards <laughs> eating diet. Yeah. So his, him and his wife have a sweet treat first, but listen to what his sweet treat is. Completely pure cocoa brownie. 
So if it's like mm. raw cacao, it's quite bitter, isn't it? Um, oh my God, I would, mm. well, I would suggest it's bitter and it prob- probably cleans him out as well, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I, well, yes. And then they, they have rice with meat or fish, but from select producers. It doesn't just come from anywhere. They don't just pop down Asda and get some chicken fillets. And the meal is rounded off by, they say, a starter type option of salad or soup. Can you imagine having a bowl of soup after you've eaten sort of chicken and vegetables and rice with a, and chocolate, a chocolate brownie. brownie. Yeah. I, what, what the heck? Um, they have special scents placed in all the resting areas in their house <laughs> to keep them cool and calm. It is no warmer than 21 degrees Celsius in any room in their house <laughs> and no colder. They have a special mattress as well, which helps them get with that. their shut eye, much needed time to sleep. Um, but also, get this, they have a sleep coach. So sometimes, I mean, I have, oh, a, I have a baby. Oh, come off it now. Yeah. And, and, and it ha- you know, parents have been known to get help with sleep yes, coaching, but they have a coach, enough. yeah, who comes in and, and helps them sleep. <gasps> Interesting, I've got, right? Um, I've got Weird. designated smells in certain areas of my house too, but that just depends where the cat litter tray is, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> um, goodness me, pampered uh, Robert Lewandowski. I um, Gosh, I don't think I, any of us can beat that. Uh, on that note, if we're done with proceedings on any other business, let's round things off and yeah. say thank you very much. I'm off to book much. a sleep coach. Yes. Uh, thank you very much, listeners. Uh, before you book your sleep coach uh, or design specific smells for areas of your home, um, do check out our social feeds at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and on Insta. You can also check out the website too, offsiderulepodcast.com. Some great content on there for you to take in, including regular weekly opinion pieces from Laura Lawrence. She always cuts to the chase, Laura, very, very honest. Uh, this week, she's written about the balmy idea of uh, ignoring the 3pm TV blackout so that we can see more of Ronaldo and she's cut back against that and talked about why it's so important. So yeah, regular pieces from Laura and much more on the website to enjoy. Um, I know you're going to be at Chelsea, Lindsay. What else are you up to this weekend? It's uh, double uh, for WSL this weekend. So I'm at uh, West Ham against Aston Villa on Saturday morning. That's an 11.30 kickoff on Sky. And then Manchester City Spurs on Sunday evening, 6.45pm kickoff. Mm, So the WSL is the sandwich to your Chelsea game in between. Yeah, yeah. Um, Good stuff. Um, Hayley, you're having a little... it's not the sandwich, it's the bread. It's the bread bread. sandwich. Yes, Yes. Yes. it's true. Thick white bread with lashings of butter. (laughs) Make it salty. Um, Hayley, you're up north, but you're back in town Mm -hmm. uh, from next week and checking into the Sky Sports News studio again soon. Any more glam events for either of you? I'm helping out with the Friends charity. As we record this, it is Suicide Prevention Day. Um, I have um, a good family friend whose husband sadly took his life and left his three little children. So I've been doing lots of work with a charity helping other bereaved children. And it's an amazing charity called The Headlight Project. And it's up in the northeast of England. So I'm dedicating a day and an evening to go and host an event and raise lots of money as well. So I'm not just swanning off, enjoying myself on a oh, on a, well, a, a, a weekend, It's you know, mm. gorging on the free food that's in my parents' fridge while sitting around like a princess being waited on hand and foot. I'm going to spend some time with family and and do a little bit, um, yeah, do a little bit for, for my, for my yeah. lovely friends. 
very important it is too. Uh, we'll have a lovely time away and um, we shall reconvene around this time next week. See you then. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic. Sports Social Podcast Network.